Like we, but we wanted to do a restaurant. You know, I've trust me, that's where bad things happen to good people. We'll never do a restaurant. If somebody <laughs> tells you invest in a restaurant, run. You know, yeah. and, uh, but I've done that too. Like I started worked in a restaurant, and it's like, um, you're like, you know, I forget. It. I'm just gonna do it. You know, and 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 that's kind of the whole mentality of of what life's all about. You know, and just go, go do it. You know, figure out if you can make it happen. If you can't, guess what? You're not gonna look back and wonder. Well, I wonder if if I yeah. that would have worked or not. And no regrets, baby. Get after it. You know. Smart podcast, Midland, Texas at 40 Wolf Studio. Thanks again to Ryan Shuchuk for opening up the place for us. Talking today with a really longtime friend of mine, Aaron Marquez. Uh, I was just telling you before the show, I was kind of thinking back on it. Uh, you've not, I've known each other for like 18 years at this point, which makes it's me feel time. real, real old. Yeah, it's a long time. Uh, but yeah, it has been a long time. It's been a, it's been good. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of a gap in between and then reconnected a, a good five years ago at Wildcat, obviously. But uh you know, you're a you're a hard man to pin down. So I'm, I had I to know, come, I come I to Midland been, and then like just kidnap yeah. you, bring you here, and um, but it, it's awesome. I appreciate you making time. No, thank you for having me. And I look forward to doing this. And uh, 18 years—that's a long time. You know, yeah, it's, it's We're incredible. Old, it, our relationship's old enough to vote. Yeah, 18 years <laughs> in oil and gas years is like 36 years in regular life. I mean, it's it's amazing. It, it definitely it's a long will, time. It put it on you for sure. So yeah. Uh, and you've obviously your your story's well known. Uh, been on a, a lot of uh, a lot of shows, but I'd I'd love to kind of go back and just kind of recap when you first your fa- family first came to the states, and, and you know we'll go through that pretty quick. But because now you've done so many things, it's gonna we need to talk about them. But I, I think for the purposes of just starting the show off, you know where were you born and raised, and how'd you end up here? Yeah, I mean, so I was born in Mexico. Uh, we moved to the U.S. when I was 11, uh, raised in West Texas. You know, everywhere I go, it doesn't matter. Any part of the world, I always say I'm a, I'm a West Texas, you know, Odessa, Midland guy. Um, went to Permian, graduated from Permian, and uh, then from, from there, been been in Midland pretty much since. So it's been a, it's a blessing to be from West Texas. It really is. Yeah, it is. And, and uh, obviously, I was born and raised here also. And, you know, I tell people— the, the blessing is, you know, one, you learn a, a really strong work ethic out here. Right. The other is Midland is a, a very unique community in that they can spot people that are full of bullshit pretty quick. Yeah. But if you're from here, you're, you're already – you're in. Right. But if you're not from here, you, you got some proving to do. So it is yeah. – for me, it's been very advantageous to be from here. Yeah. No, it's great. I mean, I think that's the best thing about, about Midland is – and like everything in general, is your reputation is is everything. Your reputation is your resume, is your calling card, is your your references. And in Midland, that's even magnified even more, because even though Midland's a, a small town relative to Houston or Austin or or uh, Dallas, a lot of heavy hitters are based here in Midland. A lot of great companies are based here in Midland. There's people that come from all over the world to raise capital here in Midland, Texas. So in Midland, you know, your reputation's everything, and we're very fortunate to to call Midland home. It's a unique place. I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find another, you know, when I was living here, there's 100,000 people, there's a couple hundred thousand now, but a town that size that you can go pretty much anywhere in the world, and they've heard of Midland, Texas. Yeah. 
No, it is. It's, it's phenomenal. Whether it's Jessica McClure or oil yeah. or Permian Panthers, yeah. and you're like, well, that's what yeah, that's baby so it's kind of same thing. Yeah, yeah baby so Jessica. Not, not quite. It's close, but eh, whatever. But yeah. uh, but no, you're right. And, uh, and and so when you were a kid coming up, what did you want to be when you grew up? Honestly, a politician. Like, I always wanted to be a politician. Even as a kid? Uh, even as a kid, I wanted to be a politician. I wanted to be, like, the president of Mexico. I wanted to be, like, the president of whatever. Um, but, you know, you kind of you have these ambitions of what of what you want to do. Um, but And a businessman. I mean, that's kind of what really wanted to be. And, you know, growing up in, in Mexico and seeing your grandparents watch all the tele, telenovelas and you watch all these great, cool buildings right, in right. Mexico City and— and I was like, I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that shows up in a in a suit, you know, and a, with a briefcase to to go to work and come home with the wearing a suit and a briefcase. And you know, fast forward that, you know, forty plus years, and now the guys that are call the shots are wearing t-shirts and jeans right. and making Hoodies. a lot more money than the guys yeah. wearing the suit. So it's kind of like a, it's a uh, it's a growth in in generation and customs and. You know, and and the way society is now. You sure, know? I remember thinking, man, if I could ever get a job where I had to get on an airplane to go to work, yeah, I made it. Yeah, I mean, I, the first time, for example, <laughs> I was I, I was talking to mom here about this the other day. Is the first time that I have that I ever flew on the plane, on any plane, I was 19 years old. Flew from Midland to Houston, and I didn't know what to expect. 19 years old. Uh, and it's just kind of looking back because now I fly five times a week, maybe yeah. three or four times a week. All of us and, just take it for granted. Just yeah, I mean, plane. it's like it's just it's incredible. You know, and I have a three year old son, you know, P, uh, and he's probably flown yeah, yeah. You, like, yeah. so many times even before Patrick, that. But it's Patrick's just had pretty cool life. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just it's just amazing how just kind of looking back, it's like I can't believe I, my first fly was was a uh, I was an 18, 19 year old kid. You know, when when I first got on a, on a, on an airline, but it's, right. it's amazing. Yeah. It, it's, it is amazing, but it's, you know, I think it speaks one to kind of the time, right? Uh, the flight was not, I mean, it was accessible, but one something people did all the time. Right. right. I, I remember growing up, I mean, Houston is good eight hours from here driving. Yeah. We were driving it. Yeah. We, were, we weren't flying. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't atypical, but to your point, yeah. I mean, uh, peace had a pretty good three year run. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not quite bad. <laughs> He's doing okay. Not, not bad. He's doing okay. Uh, so you want to be a politician or a businessman? That's, yeah, it, those are really, those are my two things. So, you know, I, I love playing sports growing up, uh, and you know, I love playing soccer. I love, you know, boxing and uh, every sport you can play, you know, like Chris Rock says, all the, all the sports you can play for free at the park. That's what I was good at. <laughs> I was good at those. And, you know, I was like, that's, and so I enjoyed, you know, sports, but. Career-wise, I've always kind of wanted to. I never had the desire to be like a doctor or an attorney or anything like that. And my idea was kind of zone in. It's like I, I want to, you know, from watching, like I said, you know, soap yeah, operas sure. and all that stuff. I was like, I want to. plus briefcase equals success. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it really, that was kind of my, my initial. That was it. When you thought about that as a kid, and you may not have a recollection of exactly what you thought about when you thought, as a kid, like businessman, what did you think that meant? Honestly, like probably not. Like a, I didn't have like a clarity of what that would look like, but I, I did want to have my own business, and I think a lot of it 
Back then, it was more like a superficial uh, uh, of having a, uh, you know, something of, of success when you're able to show up uh, to work and be able to go to dinner as soon as you come home from work without having to take a shower and get all the grease off your hands. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to keep in mind where I where I grew up and coming to the U.S. and my family and my uncles and uh, my father, you know, we all worked very hard. And it was a very physical kind of laborious type occupation yeah, that there were no suits or briefcases. You involved. can't just show up from, you know, from working out in the field or working out on a rig to go out to dinner. You got to shower and use, you know, right. wash up and, uh, you know, do all that before you go to dinner. And I was like, I want just a, a job where I, where I don't get dirty, where I, where I work more um, mentally than, than physically um, because I, I felt that, you know, in our culture, you know, when you, when you, when I drive through any construction site, for example, or when I drive through, um, on a rig or, or you anywhere, a lot of the work that's being performed or the guys that come in more yard, the guys that work in the, which is a very honorable job, don't get me wrong, but most of them are Hispanic, you know, Mexican guys like myself doing that and, I wanted just something a little bit more for me. I wanted something that, um, you know, that I could, that I can, you know, employ people, take care of them better, um, but also give somebody an example that, hey, you don't have to be a laborer. You don't have to work, you know, a rake hand. There's nothing wrong with it. Like I said, there's very honorable jobs, but you could also be the CEO of the company. You could also employ people. You could also sign the checks in the front, not the back, you know, and, and so giving people that that motivation, if you will, of hey, I could I could do a whole lot more if this guy that you know that didn't learn to speak English until he was older or wasn't even born here, um, if this guy can do this, you know, uh, so can I. Sure. And so that's kind of what what motivated me is you know in, in that sense. Yeah, and I think it's important what you're saying is you know being an example of not setting a, a, a self-imposed limit on your on yourself right. and saying, well, this is all I can be. Yeah. Right. Um, what was your first sort of entrepreneur venture? Yeah, um, you know, mowing yards. And like I said, I, I'm, I'm horrible at anything like mechanical. Like I, I struggle with, like I couldn't jumpstart a truck. I couldn't, I, I'm horrible at doing anything like that, you know. So like, uh, mowing yards for me was was great. I wanted to make money, and uh, but I was I wasn't very good at it. I was able to get you know go ask people to mow yards, and and I would you know go mow the yard and charge and do well. But I knew that the quality of the work was not going to give me a you know a uh, a callback, if you will. You know, and I said you <laughs> I could mow you know, yard marketing, once. <laughs> marketing and, and selling gets you sold once. Quality gets you sold twice. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid that the quality of the work, the way I mowed the yards, you know, the grass, when I would mow the grass, it would irritate me. I had rashes going down my leg and my neck. And I was like, this is not good for me. And I asked my, you know, my brother and his friends to, you know, we'll split profits and uh, I'll go ask people and I'll, I will pay them and I'll keep, a, you know, the lion's share of the, of the 10, 15 bucks. And it worked well for them and it worked well for me. But I think there's a, bigger picture coming from that because that kind of shaped me 
in the way I do business and the way I look at opportunities is um, you don't have to do the job yourself. You don't have to physically be able to do something that you're selling. You just got to know how to market it and build a team around it that can execute what your vision is. And and that's what that situation taught me is, you know, I, I don't, I couldn't mow the yard like I could, but I found the right people to be able to do it. But I know that my skill sets were were crucial in selling, getting the customers, making sure that the customer's right, and then taking care of your your people. So that applies, those principles in business apply to any business in any industry, and those never go out of style, right? It's about customers, it's about your people, and executing, delivering in, in you know, in, in uh, with good quality. And kind of those principles is something that I've that I never, you know, forgot. Yeah, and what's interesting too, and I think gets lost in that concept, is the uh, the idea that if you had chosen to go the path, like, yeah, this irritates me, and it's not really, I'm not the best at it, but I'm I'm good enough at it. You're only going to be able to service a certain number of clients because you're just one person, right? But if you have people doing the work, you can pick up more clients, right? So you can actually grow the business, so you don't end up limiting the business because of your own you know, capacity. Right. Right. So that's a, that's a point I think gets kind of lost in the shuffle there. You you touched on it, but, and I can tell you from working for you on two different occasions, that is absolutely how you structure uh, your business, whether you're managing a department, which is how you and I first became professionally connected or you're running the business. It's about, you set this vision and then you put a team around you to execute that vision. Right. And the best thing I can tell you from working for you is you stay out of our way doing it. Yeah. I mean, there's um, like we always hear and read, you know, on so many different occasions is there's no point to hire great people if you're going to have to micromanage them. Right. So, you know, hire tough, manage easy. We hear that constantly. And it's true. I mean, if you were able to build the, the right team around you, any task is achievable and you can give people the the ample amount of space for them to feel like, hey, I, I can operate within my space because I can assure you that a lot of people that have the quality of of um, the skill sets that require that, they don't want to be micromanaged. You know, they don't, they're not going to feel trusted. Uh, and I, I think that it's a good balance to be able to check on, with, on someone, hey, how, how are things going or, you know, whatever, holler at me if you need me, but you don't need anyone breathing down your neck because then it becomes – it becomes a little bit overwhelming. Sure. So how old were you when you did your lawn business? I was 13. 13. Yeah. And so then you graduate high school. What do you do after that? So I started working immediately because um, <clears throat> one of the things that for me at, you know, at that age, we had just become basically legal residents. And I didn't have a roadmap of... You're not citizens at this point. Though. No, You're no, just, not, uh, just, not, uh, not citizens. Just had your residency, right? Yeah, I didn't like. I didn't have a roadmap of, of I'm going to this university. I'm going to this. Like I, I just didn't have that. My brother graduated. He went straight to work. I didn't have no one that, that I followed. My friends who, in high school, everybody just went to work. Um, so that's what I did. I, you know, I went to work and I was like, I'm going to work this summer and then I'm going to go to school in August. And so I graduated in, in 2000, May of 2000. I started working um, in at, at Huntsman, and I was making a lot of money at that point. It was it was making I was making 
pretty good money f- what was for your me. Job at, at the Huntsman. I was plant? a laborer. Um, this is at the plant, no doubt. This is at the plant. Yeah, yeah, I was I was a laborer, but I was a laborer for six weeks, and then I got promoted to to the lead man, uh, and then I had like eight nine guys that that were under me, uh, and what I did then was like, okay, what can I do that's better than these guys for me to stick out? One, health and safety, as you're well aware, continues to be, you know, a focus and the core value of most companies, if not all companies, as it should, because it's it, it, it it's, it's part of business. It's not safety, quality, or no, it's part of business. You should be able to do your job and do it safely. Yeah, That's it has part. to be. Yeah, integral it's, to what it's, you're it's doing. Inter- interwoven in what you do. Um, so a lot of those processes, things that were changing back then in the early 2000s, most of which were incorporated through PSMs mm-hmm. uh, in forms of job safety analysis and things like that, where a lot of the laborers who I was working with could not write English. Um, so I would like, kind of write all of our you know job safety analysis and 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 translate for them and and uh, and go over with them and talk to them about it. So whenever our, like our supervisor would come, it was like I was the point contact for him. Hey, make sure that the guys understand that this pipe is very hot or that you're doing this mm-hmm. or whatever. So I started really translating things. So so our company first adopted, you know, um, bilingual JSAs. Everything was English and Spanish because of some of the things that we were doing. Um, so I just kind of found ways to be able to stand out. You know, our shift started at 6 in the morning, um, and I would get there at 5.30. I was early. I would always leave late, help everybody get their paperwork, things that were not expected for me, but I was trying to find things for me to, you know, to, to kind of stick out. Break time was over. I knew break time was, you know, went to break at 10 a.m. At 9.55, I was up with my hard hat on, with my son, with my Safety glasses, ready to go. They never have to come, came and get me. I always found for ways to be able to stick out. So I got promoted, and I was like, man, I'm making a lot lot of money. And I started going to school uh, at night, and I went through my two-year degree there um, and graduated, and that's when I got hired on with Neighbors. And I went through through UConn, uh, University of Connecticut, trying to get you know, my degree through a co-op program. But I kept getting promoted, and I was like, most people go to college to get a career, right? Um, and I had a career. And if I'm able to kind of do it at the same time, then it makes perfect sense. Um, of course, I went back and finished at, at the University of Oklahoma, uh, which was important for me because I, I wanted I wanted to finish my – I wanted to go to grad school. And so I finished my bachelor's at OU, and then I was going to do the MBA program at OU. Um, but there was no – you know, there was no point for me to go to grad school when I was already building businesses of of sizable amount. So uh, now with, with the University of Oklahoma, I have this tremendous network and that when my son wants to go to school and he lists on his application, where, did you, you know, where, where did your dad graduate from college? He can say the University of, proudly, the University of Oklahoma. And it's something that I couldn't, that I didn't have, mm-hmm. right? Not he has. And... And when he graduates from we're in high school, um, hopefully he goes to OU if he wants his education paid for. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but, you know, he at least has a point of reference. Hey, my next step after high school, I go to college. And now, you know, I have 
you know, two nieces that are OU uh, and a nephew that's mm -hmm. at OU. And, you know, so that kind of changed the whole mold of what do we do after high school? You know, I, I graduated and I, I did that. My path to that was different than most. I wish I could have graduated from college, from high school, and be able to go to university for four years and party and, and meet great people and experience, you know, life as a college student. But I didn't have that, I didn't have that flexibility. Um, but I, looking back, I wouldn't change one thing of how I graduated, when I graduated, and what I did during that time. You know, it's interesting going back, and I and I know this part of your story just because I know you. When when you first came to the U.S., you didn't speak English, right? And then they they when you get into school, they put you in an ESL class, yep, right? And you voluntarily asked to be moved to an English speaking only class, right? What what gave you that? sort of mindset and mentality of I've got to be able to function in both worlds if we're going to live in the States. See, back then when we, when we came to the U S my cousins that lived here, they almost, um, not all, but in, in friends too, they saw speaking Spanish as a derogatory thing because, you know, they think, Oh, you speak Spanish or you're, you're this and that or whatever. To date, I'll proudly say I'm not Latino. I'm not. No, I'm Mexican. I was born in Mexico, and I was and I'm blessed to be a U.S. citizen. And for some reason, people kind of shied away from speaking Spanish as if as if it was a negative thing. For me, I. I I was born in Mexico. I love my country. I love where I come from. Um, so I never saw it as a negative. And I think that, like, I, like I've said in the past, is being able to speak multiple languages is a huge advantage. So when people will make fun of me for not speaking English, I was like, hey, in six months, you know, I'm going to speak English and I'm going to speak two languages. Um, and you're only going to know one. So I, I always see that as an advantage. You know, and now as a, an adult that I've traveled the world, Everywhere you go, you know, I think, what, 70% of the world speaks two languages and, like, 40% of the world speaks three languages. If you go to any place in Europe, a lot of those people speak, uh, you know, five, six Several languages. Several languages. I, I was seeing something on YouTube the other day because I started picked up playing tennis. Um, and Djokovic, like, he speaks, like, eight different languages. I mean, it's just – it's insane. I think that people feel that because – we're American that everybody needs to speak English. And we, we have some rude awakenings when you travel to like France and, mm -hmm. and you show up and you're like, Hey, how you doing? And they look at you like, well, they speak English. They yeah, just yeah, choose they not do, to, but they choose not to, yes. but it's just kind of, you know, uh, but no, that's that for me, it was just a, I didn't see it as a negative. I saw it as, uh, as a positive. And the only way that I was going to be able to, to do that is getting out of that comfort zone of I'm in this classroom with everybody that doesn't speak a lick of English and how am I going to learn this? Because we all become, and as many times as we hear, we really are become, you know, what's around with our environment. It's you're like, the sum of your group. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like whatever you look around and you see who you're dealing with, that's where you're going to become. And that's what feeds your mind. That's what feeds, that's what motivates you. And, I, you know, it's like, you know, back then I was like, you know, I'm not going to learn this. I'm not going to learn. Um, I already know Spanish. 
every day, I mean, like, it's just, it's not going to work. And that's what, like, get me out of the night struggle. I mean, I did. I, I was made fun of. I was, um, you know, all these different things. People that I still know now that, that uh, I saw someone at the airport the other day, and they're like, I don't know if you remember me, but I was in school with you in the sixth grade. Did you go, okay? Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I should have. <laughs> you know, but it's just like, no, it's like, I remember that. Like, you, you don't forget that. And I'm so proud of it. I'm proud of, you know, of, of uh, you know, where I come from and, and the great people that I've met along the way. Absolutely. So I wanted to get it in there because I thought that was a unique part of your story that right. I, I, I don't know many other 11, 12-year-old kids that in that same situation, especially coming from another country, into a classroom, wouldn't want that comfort zone. Yeah, but you you were seeking out uncomfortable, yeah. uh, a, an uncomfortable position, and I personally believe that's the only way you grow, right? As a human, is to get uncomfortable in a situation. So I, I think I always thought that was a very cool part of your uh, your journey. So interesting. Going back to your time at Huntsman, you said I'm going to do this for a summer and then I'm going to go to school, but during that summer you didn't treat it like it was just a summer job. By doing all of the things you were doing, you were treating it like this could be a career for me. Is that intentional? Did you identify it early on that, I man, I could make a career out of this? Or was it just in your makeup to do those things? No, it wasn't just Huntsman. It was, I mean, when I sold, sho- I, I sold shoes at Sears, I worked at Sears, and it was the same mentality. I'm, I'm naturally competitive. And then when it comes to something like that, it actually puts that kind of translates into income. Based on how your your performance, I'm like even more competitive. So it was the same thing when I worked at Sears, when I worked at Blockbuster. Like I'm always gonna do what it takes to do a job better than the guy that's doing it next to me. And it doesn't have to be a acrimonious approach to anything like that. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not gonna say anything negative about the guy that's you know, that's working next to me that's doing the exact same thing as me because to me that's that's a negative that's that's a character you know flaw if somebody's you know saying something negative just so you can look better i i've i i very i dislike people that do that because it's just not very genuine but i'm gonna do some i'm you know i'm gonna let my actions kind of show you that hey well Aaron gets here earlier basic things Basic things. There's nothing yeah, like things that take zero talent yeah, to pull yeah, off. Like, yeah, like okay, you just show up five minutes before you start. You stay up late. I mean, you stay later than you do. You know, you you leave. You make sure you're on time after break. You make sure that you're you know just trying to all do of whatever your stuff just, on. Yeah, yeah, just like all these different things, you know. And and that was just kind of the same approach that I did. Like I knew that it was going to be a a stepping stone. Um, you know, like because I. Back then, I really, in my mind, and this was probably naive, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't change it. I, I felt in my heart that I was going to be successful. I felt in my heart that there was nothing that was going to stop me if, the, unless the good Lord didn't want me to be, for me to be successful. You know, I was like, and then it would be hey, a negotiation, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little negotiation. But yeah. I felt that like I was going to do everything that's going to. Everything possible to be successful. I just felt that my parents put too much on the line to bring our family to the U.S. just for me to be a, a, a scaffold builder or a laborer or uh, work on a rig or something. Like I, I wanted to prove to my parents through my accomplishments in my career that their decision to come to the U.S. was a sound decision and for them to look back and for them to know that 
that it was it was the right one. And and back then I would look at things like accomplishments of I want certain things, you know, I wanted to be get a degree, I wanted to, you know, have my own business and be successful. But what I really wanted was um security. I wanted the security for my family and myself more so than than um than anything accomplishments and accolades or having a big title and a big job. Like I really wanted to have the the you know be able to provide for my family, be able to be a you know a uh, a somebody that they can look up to, somebody that they can you know um, just somebody they can be proud of, if you will. And and that's what I wanted to accomplish. And and I felt that you know I'm gonna whatever I do, I'm gonna I'm gonna bust my tail and and uh, and be successful. And, and and that type of mentality pays dividends to to have this unwavering belief system that oh, I'm just going to succeed at what I do. And, uh, and it's hard to, hard to fault you for that, or even say you were wrong. So, um, when you were in that moment and you say you wanted security, were you able to identify that that's what you were after in that moment? Or is that a retrospective thing where you're looking back and going, you know, in the moment I wanted these things, the, I wanted the accomplishment, but now as a, as a, older adult looking back on my life, what I was really chasing was security. Is that something you've seen in retrospect or in the moment you were able to identify that? No, I, it, it's looking back, it's obviously more clear. Um, but when you're li- when you're living through, through certain, you know, things and growing up and, you know, there's six of us and my dad, you know, working long, long days and hours, but the income was short, you know, to be able to provide for, um, you know, for our family. Um, so like you just want, you know, you want to be able to kind of provide to where you don't have to worry about, you know, you know, bills and, you know, and, and things like that, ba- just basic things. Obviously as, as you grow, you want more, uh, and, and it, and it, you kind of lose sight of security becomes more of like wants. And then you go back to a, a cycle of okay, I don't want that anymore because, you know, um, you, once you can have whatever certain things that you perhaps wanted in the past that you couldn't have, then you realize that that what you want is not the material thing that you wanted. What you really want is the ability to be able to buy it, and now that you can buy it, you're like, well, I don't want it anymore. I might buy it, and or it's not. just we all have different means of 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 motivation right so um some of it could be like i, I wanted my parents to be success uh to be taken care of where they don't have anything to worry about and they are right so that was a level of security for me that that i wanted for them to be you know taken care of and and, and uh, also a way to show appreciation right. for sacrifices that were made to no doubt put you in a position where you are today right so i mean it's just kind of it all kind of goes hand in hand the, the security of the being able to kind of take care of your parents and also finding those things to, to, um, to motivate you, you know? Outstanding. So from Huntsman, is that when you made the, you went to neighbors after Huntsman? Right. All right. And so what made you make that change from Huntsman to neighbors? And again, knowing a bit about your background, you'd mentioned that you looked for ways at Huntsman to separate yourself from other people, not in a negative way, but ways that, 
very similar to my own career, like look for gaps that aren't happening, that aren't being filled, and then say, I'll do that. Yeah. Uh, and for you in that conduit was safety, HSE. Right. And how did you transition then from Huntsman to neighbors as the uh, safety manager for the Western, was it, was it the districts or regions? District, yeah. It was a district. So it was a Western district, one of the largest <laughs> districts in the company. Yeah. And they hand that over to, I'm guessing you were like 24 at the yeah, time? Yeah, 25. Yeah, 24. Yeah, I was 24. Yeah. How's that transition happen? I mean, I think that the oil and gas space on the drilling side, completion side, pool well services back then, I mean, the like the total recordable incident rate was considerably higher in the in on that side than it was in in petrochemicals like like Huntsman, um, and so there was a lot of low hanging fruit, you know, that things that we were doing at Huntsman from from PSMs and things like that that I incorporated initially from the beginning um, at neighbors that. That were being well received by management. When you entered neighbors, what was your position? I was a safety specialist. Okay, so you weren't the manager quite no, yet. No, you no. were just a specialist. I was and, a safety and so specialist. you were. Who's your manager? Jeff. Remember Jeff Johnson? No, Bister. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Jeff. Yeah. When you said Jeff, I thought Jeff Johnson. I was like, no, no way. No, that guy no, was over no, safety. Was, uh, You're remembering Jeff. that wrong. <laughs> and so, he had no background uh, in safety. He was. He was part of like the growth, and he got placed in that position. So he kind of counted on me for, you know. And I had just finished, you know, school out of Desert College. We did a, and so everything that I would read and learn and different. You and know, your your associates was in, in HSC. HSC, yeah. yeah. Right. So I I would apply, you know, like the way we measured injuries and yeah. behavior based safety. You're blowing people's minds back it then. Just, back then, it's like it was like a hot thing, man. It's, it's like, are you kidding this kid me? Knows magic. So I mean, it's just like all that was well received by management, and that gave me the opportunity as we started growing and we we worked through a couple of acquisitions, and so I was able to end up kind of running the 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 department um, when when the, they made the change with with Jeff. Um, and that gave me, I mean, a tremendous opportunity for me to be able to, to grow and, and uh, you know, and kind of learn on on the job, if you will. So it was it was a great opportunity, you know, at neighbors. We saw so many, you know, incredible things. You know, a lot of growth. And I mean, in the health and safety space, as you know, um, it's very humbling, because oh, yeah. when someone gets injured, you're the guy that goes and talks to the family. You're the guy that. Um, you know that that's there at the the emergency room. You're the you're the guy there that's that's doing all. The, you know you kind of de- develop a a personal relationship with with all your employees because you train them. You're you're part of the education, and then you you go through these investigations, and then you're like, well, this you know uh, procedure didn't address you know clamps that, and that resulted in this. And you, there's all these different failures that you see. After an injury, and some of it, you feel personally responsible. And I think yeah. that in this space that, that we're in, everyone feels responsible. And if you don't feel responsible when somebody gets injured, you're not in the right. You're not in the right well, place because uh, it's you're not a good person, yeah. right? Yeah. So you're always kind of, and it's just different things. I mean, at Huntsman, we saw so many. You know, my first day on the job, uh, just saw some incredible. I mean, we had a big fire and and. You know, people died, and I mean, it was 
It was, and that uh, was day one. That was day one or two when all that first happened mm-hmm. in, over there, and uh, it's just very sad to you know, very sad to see. And it's just, um, I mean, the people that are in HSC have a lot of respect for, and that's when management, you know, as you know, anything that revolves uh, on giving, you know, our employees, making sure employees are health and are healthy, and have all the resources to be well-educated and well-versed in the surroundings and what they're doing and, and staying, you know, safe is yeah, well, and, and you have couldn't that. have you couldn't have found a better company in Neighbors to help you. I mean, because at that point, you're, that's really your first opportunity to manage at that level um, in an HSC group, and you're building a team. But Neighbors was one of those companies that – I remember Nick Petronio – he would say, incredible, yeah. incredible guy. And, and and he would say, if it's not safe, we're not doing it, and meant it. Yeah. And that was from the top all the way through the organization. And the ones that couldn't get on board with that, they, uh, they either self-selected or they ended up being found out. But that type of company and, you know, being a lifelong, you know, HSE person, and now I do a lot of other things for Wildcat too, but my primary role is that. Right. It's refreshing to come into a company where it's like, no, th- there is no safety budget. If we need to do it, we're going to do it to keep our people safe. I can't think of a better scenario for someone like yourself coming up to to have that type of uh, of leeway. No, I mean, I, I, I tell you what, Neighbors was an incredible company to work for. Neighbors is an incredible company now. Um, I I attribute the little bit that I've I've done through everything that I've learned that neighbors. I, I think that not only did I meet some incredible people, um, Johnny, you know, a lot of the people that I met, but I think neighbors as a whole, as a company is, is they've always kind of, they were the standard, you know, of, they are the standard and in, in, I'm, I'm sure of just trying to find ways to be, you know, safer, more efficient, more environmentally friendly. And, and when you have those core values, you know, people are our greatest assets. You know, it's just all these different things that they had. You know, people believe it, and they. What I like about neighbors is they always kind of, you know, they didn't go in a safety meeting. As management, we didn't go in a safety meeting and say people are our greatest assets. All these different, you know, things, and then did something different. It was everything was very parallel mm-hmm. to what was communicated in meetings and in writings and everything. So no, it was. It was a tremendous opportunity to be able yeah. to do that. The first time, because when I moved to to Huntsman, from Huntsman to Perm to Pool, neighbors, um, we had a we had a hand injury, um, and one of the they they called it in and and uh, they're like this guy got his hand stuck in the elevators or whatever, and and I didn't know I had never been on a rig before <laughs> at that point. At all, so I was just like, "Got your hands in the elevator." I was like, "Is that how they get up there on those rigs?" Oh no! I thought it was in my mind. Thankfully, I didn't. I didn't ask that out loud. You say, "Yeah, I have a question." Yeah, I was like, (laughs) "Thankfully, I didn't ask." Like that's how they got on top of the rigs. I had no idea, and you know, and then when we did the investigation, all the pipe latching and all that, I'm like, "Okay, that's what the elevators are." Okay, got it. No, but no, it was a, it was a, it was a adjustment getting adjustment getting to uh, the oil and gas space. On the drilling side, drilling completion side, but man, I I loved it. I'm I'm still here. It's what we're doing you know, now. Yeah, I'm, I'm still yeah, here for sure. Yeah. So and so you were neighbors for a time, uh, and that's when you and I got connected. I was hired to do a very specific role, and then 
morphed into some other specialist roles within Neighbors, which was very unique, and I, I learned a tremendous amount as a result of it. Um, you leave Neighbors, and that's really when you left, when you started your first true standalone, this is Aaron's business. Right. Yeah. You know, the that 2008, 2009 was a difficult time in the industry. It was a tough us. time. I mean, it was like, it was a very difficult time. Um, you know, as you recall, we lost one of our best customers at that time. Uh, yeah, overnight. Overnight. Got and, a phone call like, hey, no, you had uh, about 80 rigs out for yeah, us. You, Go ahead and park those in Andrews. That was one of the my... things that it was just, that didn't sit well with me. And, and, and so many other things. Uh, I don't and, think um, just you. <laughs> yeah, it just, it, it's it just not the way me. you do business. Yeah, no, it, it scared me that you just, you could have this incredible lifestyle. I wasn't speaking for me because I wasn't doing that. It, But a lot of our senior team, a lot of, um, and all could be taken away from you by an acquisition or a merger or lo a loss of a customer. Or a whim. Uh, just something. And I was like, man, this is something. And at that point, I was like, you know what? I, I just want to work for myself. Uh, and, you know, and I'm going to figure out what I, I still had no idea what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. But I knew that, um, you know, I had the opportunity to start buying minerals and royalties, which kind of gave me a a new perspective on the oil and gas side and, and the upside. Um, and looking back, I wish I would have bought a whole lot more stuff than I did <laughs> stuff that we passed on. Uh, but my partners were very conservative and, you know, and, and we're, when we're modeling, you know, different, different things, but he, he gave, he gave me a really good opportunity to, you know, to, um, to kind of work more like independent, you know, really more analytic, working more with analytics and looking into data and things like things that I'm not very good at. You're great at that. You're, you're, I mean, you, when we asked you to do the, the stuff at, uh, you know, at neighbors with the, uh, the rescue, like they'll bring me this big manual. I was like, I could not even go through half of that without falling asleep. I just, that's just not the way my mind works. Um, well, you told me you'd fire me if I didn't go through it. <laughs> yeah. So I just had to, yeah. I had to suck it up. And so, I was like, you know, so what what can I do? So th this, this was, buying minerals was a different approach for me. And then when when uh, Wildcat came about, it was it was my dad. You know, my dad was working still for uh, for uh, Cameron, which was Burnsco in Odessa, you know, remodeling BOPs and testing them and things like that. And I went and saw my parents for dinner and they're like, why don't you just go buy some BOPs and we'll put them to work? And that's how that... You that said that to them? or My dad told me that. He's oh. like, you should go buy some BOPs and put them to work. And I was doing great buying... Your dad said, hey, yeah. you know what would be great for you to buy? Yeah, some stuff some for me. Some BOPs for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically what it was. And I I came back and I had Ivan, my, one of my good friends, Ivan, that was interning for me uh, at when I was buying minerals. Keep in mind, I'm... And St. Andrews, right? St. Andrews, yeah. Yeah. I have Ivan that's interning for me. <laughs> Um, my sister had just graduated. Um, she was going to college at the same time at UTPB, and she was working uh, here in downtown Midland for for a, for a great company. But they told her that she couldn't take half days off anymore. Addie was. Yeah, she couldn't take half days off anymore because they needed her to be working full time. The nerve of them. So here we go. It's me started just buying minerals, and I have an intern with Ivan. And then Addie's in my office. We have an executive office. 
we have three desks in there, and I'm just like, what the hell? This you know, sucks. I'm like, yeah. how am I going to afford this? Yeah. She, and, <laughs> and Addie calls me, and she's like, and I have never told her this, but she'll listen to this, I'm sure. But she's like, hey, do you think I can come work for you? Um, because they're not going to let me go to school anymore, unless so I have to quit or not go to school. And she's like, you think I can come work for you? And I was like, yeah, of course you can. I'm like, what? You know, but I was like, I'll figure it out. Oh, you wanted uh, to get paid too? Yeah, yeah. So oh, like it was not an intern. Yeah, oh, yeah, unpaid so yeah, internship. I mean, so she came and worked for me, and and so when I went and had uh, dinner with mom and dad, that's like you should buy some BOPs and put them to work. You know the business, you know, and that's what we did. We we bought, you know, six BOPs from Cameron, and my dad built the first closing units, and um, we started working for for Faskin was our first customer, Faskin Oil, Oil and Ranch. Um, and was Wildcat's first customer. First, and so I went and really had no idea, man. Like I, how, you know, I've never delivered equipment. You know, I've so we had a we didn't even have a BOP trailer. We had one of those twenty foot trailers. I went to Big Tex and bought a a twenty foot so went trailer. to U Haul and rented a trailer. And I put the <laughs> I put the BOP in the middle of the trailer and like strapped it down, and it didn't have like a stump to be able to set it. So the BOP is yeah. like moving everywhere, and I, not a very good driver. I admit, I'm not a. Uh, I can not confirm, a bad driver, I can don't confirm me wrong, that but I'm, for sure. I'm not a, you know, um, so trying to get the BOP off the the, uh, the the trailer and stuff. I mean, it was so funny. I pulled up on location, and th- thankfully the company, man, was a good friend of mine. That's where we got the job. He's like, Aaron, don't you have a BOP trailer? I was like, well, Yeah, this trailer has a BOP what? on it. I said, what, is that different than this? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, like you just set something that has a stump, and you're able to just kind of pick it up. I said, you should go get some, and. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll go. And I did. I went and bought some the next day. Yeah, I no shortage of people it. telling you what you should go yeah, buy. Yeah, well, I know. I, was yeah. like, I mean, literally, I was a <laughs> – and then he'll – I remember coming back to the yard, and Nelson called me, and it's like, hey, uh, can you bring me a mud bucket? Do you have mud buckets? I was like, yeah, we got mud buckets. I was, I was like, you know, mud bucket. So, I, so that is the most Aaron answer. Yeah. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> Hey man, can someone find me a mud bucket? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's literally, I was like, yeah, we got it. I said, well, I don't need it till the morning. I was like, and so I mean, literally, I would, so I would call, you know, it's like, hey, do you have a mud bucket? What do you charge for it? I was like, ah, that's too much. Like, thanks. So I'll go buy one at the supply store and charge that. And I mean, that's literally my rate schedule. I just had BOPs and had a uh, mud bucket, was the second thing. And then Nelson asked me for a TIW valve, and I went and bought a TIW valve. That was my third thing on the rate schedule. And so, it's fun looking back. It's wild to think about that. I, I love the story of your mom, you know, sewing patches on sh- a shirt. Yeah, I still you. have that shirt. I still have you that shirt. You should still yeah. have that shirt, yeah. Yeah, I still have. 12, 12 years later, we're still here almost. Going That's on 13, awesome. yeah. <clears throat> so you been found, fun. You found Wildcat. At this point, you and I haven't been around each other for probably 10 years, close to it. Yeah. And... The same mutual friend that connected us for me to get the job at Neighbors, shout out Chris Martin, Yeah, connects us for Wildcat. And when he tells me, you know, Aaron's got the same, I was like, is it real? Like a real case? He's like, yeah, it's real. And uh, you and I connected and I hadn't looked back, man. It's been great. Yeah, no, it's been great. You're, you've, been, you've been a blessing to, to work with and part of the team. And, man, it's been, uh, you know, honestly, I, I'm so fortunate. Like yesterday we had that little happy hour mm-hmm. at the at the club with everyone and it's just so great to kind of because we've all gone through so much together and i think that that's 
like going through COVID and going through 2008, 2009. And, well, and many of the people that we work with also worked with us at Neighbors. Yeah, yeah. So that was cool for me, too, to come back here and it's like, oh, man, Gilbert's here and Jaime's yeah. here and Luis is here. And Luis has gone on to start his own business yeah. and things like that. And no, it's great. It, it's amazing to, to come back and connect with people. And then you have all of that history is immediately there. And then we've been through so many trials together as a team here at Wildcat. It's been fantastic. No, it's been awesome, man. It's a, it's a blessing. So, so then I remember uh, we're rocking and rolling, and you text me a bunch of logos and say, which one of these do you like for Fletch Azul? And uh, I'm not taking credit for the logo, but it is the one that I picked. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sort of taking credit for it because uh, it was the best one, frankly. Yeah. Um, how in the world do you go from – Owning a, a a service and rental comp company, obviously still own it. To man, I'm gonna start tequila. Was it that you got tired of buying it, and so you thought I just have my own? Yeah, no, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's cheaper to buy it, by the way. It is. Yeah. it is. You know what? What's amazing is the with when we thought about Fletch's. So I was playing with Abe, and we were both having a. Uh, they had we're playing this pro am a colonial. And they Is poured that when you us. First met Abe. They, yeah, when I first met Abe, you're at the Colonial um, Program. And they were both ordered tequila at the turn. Um, after we finished playing, I ordered tequila. He couldn't drink because he was playing. But afterwards, we kind of were like, "Hey, I'm going to go have a drink." And so we just kind of hit it John off. John Daly, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because we had a lot in common. You know, uh, Oklahoma, Odessa College, being Mexican, like just um, just had so much in common. So we we quickly bonded. And so he's well. a great guy. He's too. such he's a great so guy. Cool. He really did. I mean, he's like my little brother. And so we go and have a drink afterwards and they bring us Casamigos and um, nothing wrong with Casamigos, you know, uh, it, but it's, it's not traditional handmade tequila. Right. And it's, it's, and, it's and by just that, not, I mean, it has like additives and stuff in it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it has that. So I told Dave, I said, man, we ought to just launch our own tequila, something like the way they make it back home, add it to free, you know, only use an eight-year agave plant. I think we should do that. And and we giggled and laughed. Again, and the they, most Aaron thing. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? Why not? So I, two months later, I called Dave. I said, hey, man, I've been looking into it. I read <laughs> Casamigos had just sold. And I was like, I really think we should, we should look into this. I was like, I'm, let me look into this and put something together, and then if it makes sense, we'll do it. And I told him, I said, worst case scenario, if things go downhill, we'll have a garage full of tequila, <laughs> and man, we'll be. I said, well, that'll be a Chris. Everyone will be getting a bottle of Christmas uh, for Christmas. Going to get that, a bottle of Fletcher. That is a solid worst case. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, man, let's let's do it, and 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 we did. Obviously, we planned our great launch party uh, March of 2020, and then COVID hit, so we had to right. cancel it. That's right. Um, so that was, that was kind of difficult. Um, but now, I mean, the brand is available in North America, all of Mexico, Canada, U.S. US you were uh, telling me it's carried in grocery stores in, uh, is it Europe or Canada? In Europe and in, in California. I mean, in Texas is the only, Texas, uh, you can't buy liquor in, in grocery Or maybe it's the East Coast you were yeah. saying is carrying in grocery stores. But like stores. Rouse in California, Albertsons, Kroger. Walmart, thank you for all those. They're, they're, they have been great for us to to work with. So, yeah, Fletch is available in, in North America. I'm actually going to Australia with Mark uh, the first week of March. To, you guys we probably just, need a safety guy down there. Yeah, we, we do. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to launch. We already launched in Australia. We're launching in Japan. Uh, we're, we're in uh, 
in France now. We're we're pretty much within the next twenty four months. We'll be, it, the the brand will be available globally, which has been and, and so that's pretty incredible. intense, right? So you have your launch party planned, and then COVID happens, and so you you're at that point you've got to be like, oh my god, this we did did you ever feel like and you're probably gonna say no because you're an eternal optimist, but did did it ever feel like you were sort of, you know, sort of dead out of the gate. Yeah, it it was. We were smoking a cigar. I love smoking cigars. Well, I mean, you knew you had a great product. Yeah, the tequila is amazing, but but it's, it's it's still like with the restrictions of COVID, and you you know people want to taste the product. They're not going to just go buy the product because of although some people do. Um, people want to be able to taste it, and if you're not able to sample it, right, then it then it becomes a, a problem. So. Yeah, it doesn't um, really matter where it's no matter then, no, ma- yeah. no matter where it is. And then I didn't want to go work with a, a large distributor initially. We knew who we wanted to be our distributor. Um, but you get better terms whenever the distributor reaches out to you. It's like <laughs> like you said, it's, it's always easier to find a girlfriend when you have a girlfriend. You know, it's like right. it's just kind of yeah. And so um we wanted to we wanted to be with you know, with our current distributor, which is Southern Glaciers, because they're the they're the they're the creme, de, creme de la creme, yeah, yeah. And but, but, we just we didn't have the relationships there. We didn't have, um, really. It was such a tight market. They couldn't bring people to the warehouse to do anything. So we we decided to work with an independent, and that was only gonna do Texas. So um, I told Dave, I said, hey, let's just focus on Texas. You can't win. You can't win the U.S. if you don't win your own state. You gotta win your own backyard. Let's let's win Texas, and. Um, we work with them for, you know, we're like son. We bought you know ten thousand cases and, um, and and that's with your money. That's, that's not, our money. Yeah, it's like, yeah. That's not like no. It's me and that's Abe. not front money. That's no, money. No, money. It's, it's our it's our money. Um, and we were gonna launch and um, this happened and I'm sitting in the in, in Austin with Abe, smoking a cigar and he's like, man, I was like, this is a pivotal point in this brand's. You know, I uh, said so we're gonna look back in a few years and, and talk about today. We're gonna. I said our two this. options are either gonna be let's shut down and wait until COVID's over, uh, and then or two let's go ahead and launch and and just and I told Dave I said, man, if they do shut things down, people are gonna be home. And the only thing they can do is drink. I said so. I say let's launch, and you know vaya con dios. You know like let's let's see what happens, and. Um, and we did. I'm like, let's just go ahead and launch. And we didn't have a party. We didn't have anything. So we just, we had our marketing team. When we pumped up, uh, pumped money into into social media, um, we had money because you weren't gonna be able to do events. Yeah. So we just basically so you could just shift sat, that money over. That's exactly what we, we reallocated. We reshifted our, our our strategy to that, uh, and we built um, those cool. Do you remember those those cases of of oh, yeah. boxes yep. where you put all the five samples? So yeah. we started sending that to influencers. Mine, mine, I must have not gotten one. Yeah, yeah, I think we sent it to the wrong address. In Most that likely. Yeah. So we did that, and we just kind of got creative and 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 started, uh, you know, marketing through that, and where people saw it, and we started getting a lot of traction. Um, and then three months later, um, in June of that year, we launched in March. In June, Abe and I are playing golf at uh, a Dallas National. And the president of Glaciers walks up to to us and says, "Like, where'd you get that hat?" 
and I had a Fletcher head, so did Abe, and I was like, well, like, I know a guy, and yeah. he's like, well, it's like, that tequila's really good, and I was like, I'm Shelly Stein, I uh, I run Southern Glaciers, I'm like, and Abe's like sipping, he's like, <laughs> he put his drink down, and we both look up, and this is my signature on the bottle, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I, I really like your, your product, I think your guy's product is phenomenal, I would love to hear more about it, um, he's like, can you guys come by my office Monday, and or can I chat with you guys on Monday? I'm like, yeah, we're, we're having nothing going on on Monday. Yeah, they've had a tournament. My schedule just cleared uh, up. Like, so we did, and he's like, we want to work with you guys. And they've been – Southern Glaciers have been incredible for us. They've, they've been the, the, the incredible, you know, partner and has helped us scale, you know. And I uh, can't believe I'm – and I love the, the liquor space. It's a lot of fun. It really is. Yeah, I bet. And at some point you get connected with Mark Wahlberg. I don't yeah. know how that happens, but yeah. I can tell you because I texted you. I, I saw him on Oprah with a bottle of Fletcher Azul. Yeah, Ellen. Talk, yeah, on Ellen. Oh, it's Ellen. That's yeah, right, yeah, Ellen. Yeah. And I remember t texting you a screenshot of the TV and going, "This is surreal. Yeah. This is the same twenty-something-year-old kid I went to work for at Neighbors, and now he's got this tequila brand with a professional golfer and an an absolute A-list movie star. How do you get yeah. connected with that guy? So we, I met Mark through friends initially. Through um, when I played Augusta National with Abe. through Fran? Through friends? Friends. No, just okay. through friends. We had a lot of multiple fr um, mutual friends. Um, initially saw Mark um, at Augusta when Abe and I uh, were playing, and then we were reintroduced by uh, another friend named Tom Dowd. And Mark reached out to us and said, like, hey, guys, um, I, love, I love your product. I love your story. He's like, I'm actually filming a movie with, he was filming a movie with Kevin Hart. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Kevin was coming out with his own tequila. And so Mark was giving him a hard time. He's like, what the hell do you know about tequila? And Mark's like, you know what? I'm tired of all these guys saying that they're tequila experts and they love Mexico and they've never been to Mexico. He's like, I want to invest in you guys. I want to invest and promote you guys. And let me invest with you. And I'll promise you that you would, not outwork me in helping make making Fletch Azul a household brand. And that is the understatement that I've ever heard. The guy is a machine. Bro. He's an incredible, hardworking guy. But furthermore, he's he un really understands marketing. He really understands, you know, customers and relationships and and he knows how to really take advantage of his platform. And where, you know, for us, the consideration was like, well, I want, I didn't want to be a celebrity tequila. And that's something that we, that we, that, that we kind of fight, if you will, where people are like, oh, it's Mark Wahlberg's tequila. Well, it's not Mark Wahlberg's tequila. And he knows it. He never says he, it is. He's a partner. Um, but he's, you know, it's the tequila was founded before Mark. And he's a, a principal and great investor. Um, and but Mark, you know, he knows how to really take advantage of the relationships. Like he'll call the CEO of a, you know, Walmart. He's like, hey, I, I got this yeah. tequila. We're like, you know, and he opens up doors. Yeah. One of my favorite stories about that, you and I were talking one day, and you said, you know, when it was Abe and I, and our we had some traction with the tequila, you could get meetings, and they'd say, yeah, be here this day, and you, we'll give you a 30, 45 minute window. And you said with Mark Wahlberg at that, it's just like. Be here whenever you want. Yeah, for as long as you want. Yeah, I mean, you, <laughs> it really you'll, opens doors. You'll talk to a retailer and like, hey, we'll talk to you in three months, and that's when we, a hundred other people come in and come and present. 
and with Mark, day. Mark's yeah. like, he'll call the CEO and FaceTime, like, hey, buddy, I want to I want to talk to you about my brand. Like, oh, come on in, and we'll fly to Arkansas. We'll fly to Cincinnati, Ohio. We've traveled. Last year, in 2022, or pardon me, 2023, man, I guarantee you I flew at least five times a week, nonstop, Every, it, and it, keeping up with yeah. – with with presentations and things like that. I mean, it was it was um, it was exhausting, but it's what it takes to 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 build a brand. And as a as the founder of the brand, I can't have an investor like Mark outwork me. You know, and and he and he did a lot. I mean, he's just nonstop. Aaron, let's go here. Let's go to Boston. Let's go to Vegas. Let's go to New York. Let's go to Canada. Let's go to Vancouver. Let's go here. And and I mean, it was nuts because during the like the actor strike. Mark couldn't film anything. He had a long time. So he had a lot of alone time, and he's not going to sit still. He's like, hey, let's let's maximize this opportunity of this time that I have, and let's get out there and, and really promote the brand. And, and we've done that. We're, Fletch Azul is the fastest-growing, not-additive-free tequila in the U.S. I mean, we're, we're growing tremendously uh, domestically and internationally, so it's been – it's been a blessing. And you also need to start marketing it as the official tequila of the oil and gas industry. Yeah, we are. And, and I think that's been what's been great about, uh, you know, Fletcher is people in the industry have really supported it. Like all the friends, I'm, you know, my friends in Houston and uh, Dallas and San Antonio and Odessa and Midland, like everyone, man. It's like you go to the country club here, you go to Dallas, any, you know, it's – Fletcher, Fletcher, Fletcher. Yeah, you know, again, it's, uh, it's, it's a, great. Oil and gas is an industry that recognizes when things are a, the real deal. Right. And it's fantastic tequila. It's, I mean, it's outstanding tequila. I've even taken bottles to, with me to, to places that don't have any concept of, like, the oil and gas industry or they like tequila, and they'll drink it, and they're like, this is some of the best tequila I've had. So the product's for real, and that's it makes it easy to uh, embrace. And so you start Fletcher. It's going, doing its thing. What's the next uh, company you decide, hey, I'm going to found? Is it Ombre? Yeah. So we started to have... <sighs> and two, how do you get part, into that space? Like how two, do you... two different companies at the same time. So we started working with Michael Buble, uh, and we launched Fraser and Thompson. Oh, that's right. And that whiskey, which is phenomenal. When did now, that launch? That launched two months ago. Um, but now, next month, it'll be nationwide. It'll be in every, every store in North America. So we work with with Michael Lunch, uh, Fraser and Thompson, um, and that's going extremely well. And then uh, we uh, started Ombre Men, which Ombre Men it's a it's a personal care line that focuses using uh, basically plant based products. You know, for you know for for the everyday guy, for shaving, for sunscreen, aftershave, anti aging, toothpaste, a toothpaste. I mean, you gotta you gotta if you're in business, you gotta. Stay looking clean, you know, and and sharp, and so we did that. We started a great company called Ombre Man, and and at at the same time we launched that Ombre. It's really this year is the trajectory of that brand is going extremely, extremely well. How do you get uh, partnered with a world champion F one driver for that? I mean, it's just amazing, like the different. It's it's humbling, man. Like to, it's surreal for me. Yeah, it, on this side, it has to be humbling for you. But. I mean, I sit in there. Sometimes I'm like sitting there, just like playing well, golf with Mark. Well, that's Fernando Alonso. Yeah, yeah, for Fernando, or like sitting there playing around the golf with Abe and Mark, and I'm like smoking a cigar and drinking some tequila, and I'm like, 
man, I feel like sometimes I'm going to wake up and be like, yeah, good luck. Oh, man. Oh, like, that was a really good dream. And then same thing with Buble, like sitting around the, you know, with Michael's performing in small parties and, and hanging out with Michael promoting, you know, the whiskey. Ombre Man, you know, that incredible brand that, that we're scaling. We recently launched uh, Free Rain Coffee, which that caught with Cole Hauser, which is ripped from Yellowstone. Um, Let's face it, best character and, on Yellowstone. Uh, yeah, he is Yellowstone. Absolutely Yellowstone. And that's doing extremely well. We just did a partnership with with Walmart. So it'll be in every Walmart all over the, uh, globally in the next uh, four months. And that's that brand is on fire, man. So it's um, it's just been a it's been a blessing to be able to work with with a lot of really good people um, and you know celebrities and be really trying to max try to maximize their their platform as to how to you know how to how to use the, you know their their platform. I think the most surreal thing for me though that's happening is coming next week. So I'm going to the DR. Uh, to meet with Luis Miguel, and because Luis Miguel reached out to us about about a project, so I'm working on a project. We're gonna start working on a project with Luis Miguel, and Luis Miguel is like the most downloaded artist in the world. He's iconic in our culture, and he's not as big as it, it, in North America. But anyone, you know, he's bigger than Jennifer Lopez. Uh, oh yeah, he's he, <laughs> Luis Miguel is iconic. So we're having dinner with him, and then. I'm going to his concerts, hosting us for his concert, and we're working on uh, on a project that in a couple of years I'll come and talk to you about. That'd be awesome, man. And so the interesting thing is, is I've made this comment to anyone that'll listen to me that you you are without a doubt one of the most gifted networkers I've ever met in my life. How how do you think you are able to do that? Is that is that something that you've had to cultivate over the years, or it just comes natural to you? You understand how to connect yourself to people. What, what do you think's made you so successful in being able to network, which is obviously something you've leveraged to be as successful as you are? I think a lot of it started initially. Well, one, it's like I'm very extroverted, as you know, I've, uh, and, but I think it started for me being in the oil and gas space and being in, uh, you know, or like working for neighbors and working, you know, even at Huntsman, but primarily neighbors. During that stretch of, of five years, especially when I moved over to operations, is a lot of times I'll go, I'll be sitting at the Four Seasons in Houston at the bar by myself after the day's over, or or being in Colorado, or being in Oklahoma City, you know, or being in here in Midland, and you you know, you end up during the week alone because if you go visit a yard in Snyder, Texas. And you're not, and you know, you stay there or whatever. You wrap up your meeting and dinner at eight o'clock. You just are at the hotel, you know, just having a drink at the bar. And I'm always, whoever's next to me is like, hey man, what are you doing? You know, like what are you drinking or what's up? And you get to talking about sports. You get to talking about everything. And you used to just talking to whoever's beside you and and developing, you know, uh, just a rapport with. Wh- and you just never know who you're talking to, right? And so it just kind of it's just a dialogue of of people and you make people feel comfortable. Um, so that, I, that's a big base of that. And then a lot of it is, is, you know, people, people talk, you know, and like Luis Miguel was a relationship, you know, an introduction through Buble, right? And then Buble was an introduction through another partners that we had uh, uh, with Mark, you know, and then the relationship with Mark was through another partnership. So, 
Um, same thing with Cole, you know, with with Free Rain. That was through another through another friend. And people, you know, your reputations, everything. Going back to how we began this conversation is, um, you know, your your reputations, everything. People see what you do. You you, you have to market what you do. I've always been a big proponent of of marketing you know and uh you got to market what you do and and that opens up opportunities you know for people that are like hey this guy brings some skill sets that i that i can bring um and it's really it's fascinating to me to be able to work on on different projects that are completely different in different industries because you should be like uh what some of my mornings look like with a cup of coffee. I'm talking about fishing tools and talking about doing an event, launching, we're launching our new bottles in, in Vegas for the Cristalino next Reñejo during Super Bowl week. Sick bottles. And then I'm talking about coffee, you know, what we're doing in coffee and then, you know, uh, whiskey and, you know, personal care. Like, and it's pretty cool to be able to get involved in different industries and different companies and with companies at different, uh, you know, at different stages, st- stages. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I think that my favorite thing though, in 2023 and what I'm enjoying the most, uh, is being on the board of a publicly traded company because, um, yeah, I wanted to get to that. Like, how does that yeah. happen? It's, is, um, that, is that an invitation? What, yeah. I mean, it, what, it's, what, it's, what, a, it's an invitation and, um, and, uh, and it's an, it's an honor, you know, to be able to be, part of a, of a publicly traded company. And the reason why I'm enjoying that so much is because it's different from what I've done, okay? So like um, at Wildcat, you know, it's me, Duke, and Randy, and Trip. Like that's our board of directors, right? And we, you know, if we say let's, let's, we're all in, we're all it's, in. It's a fairly quick decision. It's yeah. a very quick decision. And, um, and same thing on the board of Fletcher and – and the other boards that I'm a part of, this, a publicly traded board is is something that's fascinating to me because um, all the governance, you really have to go in there with, with your homework, fully prepared, understanding every single aspect of, of, of what you do. And it's been fascinating. It's something that I really, really uh, enjoy doing for sure. Yeah, and it's definitely something that um, I, I know from knowing you that, that's been on your radar wanting to do that and yeah. want to be a part of, uh, you know, ringing the bell and, and all of those things and getting to be a part of that. I know meant a lot to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's my goal is to always to, um, at some point be able to ring the bell, uh, of a CEO or a founder of a, of a company, uh, in this particular, you know, with Permian, I got to experience it watching Will and James, which I'm very proud of those guys. What they've done is phenomenal be able to do that. And I was like, how awesome is that? Um, but being able to just be on the, on the, on the stock floor and, and kind of seeing that and watching your stock be available. And then the buzz around yeah, all of that. Like that. I the, just very proud of those guys and what they've been able to accomplish. It's been pretty great. So you've, uh, you've taken over the world essentially. Yeah, I wish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's getting better. Um, where do you see yourself going from here? I know that one of the things that fascinates me about you is that you are, constantly looking for the next thing. There's never uh, a sense of, you know, I've settled. And I know you started your own sort of investment company 
But I remember the last time you and I talked, you're like, yeah, I did that, but I still got stuff I want to do. Yeah. So, so what does that look like for you going forward now as you have these brands, they're all in different stages, as you said, but they're all by their own right successful. They're all doing what they need to do and growing the way they need to grow and connected to the people and places they need to be connected to. What do you do now? Um, so we have one more project that's coming that we're launching uh, in March. Like we partnered up with a family that basically invented mezcal. Mezcal is a category in, you know, in, in the U.S. that's growing exponentially. So we're launching a mezcal in March called Los Coyotes. And the family, like I said, they, the family that are our partners, um, are, they export like 65% of the mezcal globally. So we're launching that. Um, and honestly, now that I'm not doing any other projects, I have tremendous more opportunities to do other things, but I, I, I don't want to do that. Um, I don't want to do that any anymore for now. I want to really support, you know, the, the projects, the businesses that we have in place right now, uh, because I feel like, uh, you know, I need to be more supportive to to those projects before before I do anything. Ideally, down the road, I would love to have my own team, you know, 10, 12 guys uh, or, you know, of members of, uh, you know, that can analyze deals, put deals together, you know, help capitalize them and where we can capitalize different opportunities. But for now, um, we're going to explore this opportunity that we have um, with Luis Miguel. Uh, and then I'm going to, you know, focus on getting that uh, uh, Los Coyotes launch. Um and that's it for now, man. I'm, I really want to focus on, on, um, you know, on getting these businesses over the, over the goal line. And, you know, my son is getting to the stage now where, you know, soccer's going to be around the corner and tennis and golf camps. And those are things like that, that I don't care what may come available. I don't want to miss. So until I build, like the right team around having like a like a, an investment company where I can really delegate a lot of things and that's that's what's been fortunate is like with Wildcat we have Trip you know with Ombre we have Justin you know with Fletcher we have our our West Brand team in in Dallas same thing with with Fraser and Thompson with Free Rain we have an incredible CEO Arlen uh, that's phenomenal she has an incredible team so like each brand each company has an incredible team that's carrying out you know and executing way better than I could ever think of um, but it still requires a lot of time you know you know to make sure that you that you're that things are being monitored correctly things are being executed correctly and I feel like um, I have enough on my plate right now until we get some of these things moving and sold and and um, I'll, I'll explore other, other opportunities. So it's interesting, you know, success breeds opportunity. And so I think it's interesting that you've now figured out like this opportunity, while your instinct is to always go, because I know you, yeah. but you're, you've identified that that's really what that is, is, is a distraction from what you're really trying to, to achieve that doesn't have to be there right now. Yeah. When did you identify that as a distraction? Because I know our last conversation, 
it wasn't. It was you were all systems go. At what point? How did you identify that it was going to be a distraction? And and then what made you decide? Okay, well, this is something I need to put a barrier to. Well, there was a couple instances for me. Is one that I was crystal clear was like being at dinner. Like if I go to dinner, go have dinner with with Patrick, and whenever businesses kind of close or whatever, the guys shut the shop down or or the people are leaving the office, my phone's ringing nonstop, and it's it's a good thing. Before it didn't it didn't matter, right? Um, and the it takes you away from being being present, and um, and you know there was there was a couple of times, especially this summer in New York, um, where I'm at dinner with a group of friends and and Patrick, and he's wants my attention because we're at eating dinner and we go eat dinner early, typically around six six thirty, because I I um, if we're sitting at a bar, I don't and P has his fire truck or something, you know, like. I want to be mindful and respectful of other people that they don't want a kid at a bar or right. at a restaurant screaming or whatever. Not that he screams, but I always try to be mindful of that, so I leave. But that's when I'm getting calls from everyone, and I'm I'm just not available. I'm answering the, the phone, and then I'm either, I'm just not as available as I should be to to our you know my partners uh, and and to my son. So like now when we go to dinner, I'm you know, put my phone in my, my pocket and I focus on him. And I just like, I feel like this is like max of what I, of what I want to do at this time. And it's just little things like that, that I don't want to miss. Uh, and I think as we move things and things sell and things grow there, or that are space at a place where they're more consistent and, and manageable. And it's just more quarterly board meetings and things or like as that. You, said, I can you have that. a team that's kind of doing that. Yeah. That you can count on. Because I, I don't never want to look back. The most important thing for me in my life right now without question is my son. So I don't want to look back and miss. I don't want for someone to be like, oh, your dad was a great businessman, but he was never around. Now, I rather I could care less whether I'm a successful businessman or not, but I just want to be there for my son. And that's the most important thing. And, but I also want to be there not just physically. I want to be there mentally. And I feel like right now I'm at a threshold where, I, you know, starting another business will be will be too much without the right team. Don't get me wrong. Three months from now, when we may hire three or four guys and, and, and have them do that, then I'll be able to do that. But right now, um, each business has its own kind of little nucleus, and they operate independent of each other, and it works great for me. Um, but trying to do something else would be a little bit, too, a little bit too much. Yeah. And I think it's important that you have identified you, you, one of the first things you said to me when we, you came up to me at the happy hour was like, I'm not ignoring your tax, but we were on vacation See, that, and that, I wanted to pay attention to Patrick. And as a father, I was like, I get it, man. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And because I've, I remember one of the coolest things that I, that I would never forget. Um, I remember watching going to watch uh, a movie. I, I don't recall the movie, what it was, but I, I hadn't, I don't go to the movies very often, but I remember going to, going to a movie here in, in, uh, in Midland. Um, and 
there's a guy in the middle of the row that was sitting in front of us. And, you know, they tell you during the movie, like, to turn your phone off and do things like that, which, you know, if, if, you're, if you're in sales, which if you're in the oil and gas business. You don't do that. You don't do that, right? Safety either, by the way. Like, you just, our turn off your cell phone is. I'll dim it all the way I'll in silence. dim it all the way it, in but silence, it's, but it's never off, Definitely right? going to be in my hand. And you're going to creep up by the side and look at your phone and make sure that, that it's all good. That's right. That's just the way we do, right? So there's this guy that was sitting in front of us. That kept getting up, looked at his belt, get up and do that and come and sit back down and get up and do that and sit back down. And the people that were next to me were being, they were annoyed. Understandably, I mean, the guy keeps getting up and I, on the other hand, I'm like, that's the guy that I want to work. That's, that's the guy that I want working for me. That guy's killing himself. You know, you're like, that's the guy that I want working for me. You want that dedication. And and that's the dedication that it takes for these businesses to be successful. And if you're not able to really devote that to to those business, then just not worth doing. Yeah, you need that guy. You never know when someone's gonna have to go get an iPad for yeah. it. Yeah. No, you just yeah, you just say <laughs> for sure, right? Yeah. That's hey, a, that's a way, story for a different time. Hey, by the way. Yeah. How far is this place from me? About yeah. ninety miles. Ooh. Yeah. Can you do me a favor? Yeah. Yeah, we've we've had some stories for sure. <laughs> well, man, before we go. I just want to say it's been awesome knowing you this long uh, seeing the evolution, being a part of it is, uh, is unbelievable. You're actually pretty much the one that encouraged me to start a podcast on my own. I was with another guy and you called me and said, what are you doing that with him? I was like, well, it's his podcast. I mean, I'm just kind of there. Uh, and that's one thing I will say for you is that what you want out of people that you invest in personally, not monetarily, but personally invest in is you want them to be successful. And you've only been encouraging to, to me personally, and, and I've seen it to others. Uh, so thank you for everything. Uh, thanks for being a part of the show. And um, I just appreciate uh, your friendship and, and mentorship and getting to be a part of your journey. No, absolutely, man. It's, thank you so much for, for having me. You know, like I said, when we first started talking about the, you know, the podcast is you not just Go do it, you know, and you'll learn from it. It'll go great or not so great. I mean, you'll learn from it. Like we, when we wanted to do a restaurant, you know, I've, trust me, that's where bad things happen to good people. They'll never do a restaurant. If somebody tells you invest in a restaurant, run, you know, Uh, and, but I've done that too. Like I started worked on a restaurant and it's like, um, you're like, you know, forget it. I'm just going to do it, you know, and. And and that's kind of the whole mentality of of what life's all about, you know. And just go, go do it, you know. Figure out if you can make it happen. If you can't, guess what? You're not going to look back and wonder. I wonder if if I yeah. that would have worked or not. And that's what, you know, like we we hear and read and all these different things that talk about. It. It's like, hey, no regrets, baby. Get after it, you know. Well, it seems to have worked out, and uh, and and for all of us, really. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's worked out for me as well. I've had a fantastic career and fantastic life, and and you've been a part of it for eighteen years. So it's crazy. Thanks for being on the shit. It's crazy. Yeah. Thanks next time, have some glasses and some tequila. 
by the way. It would have been a different podcast. I would have been completely. like Cat Williams over here. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, so it's probably better that we didn't. Yeah. Cat Williams, man, he put everybody on blast. And well, like, they, I haven't like a, finished listening to it. Because yeah. sometimes I'm like, I'm scared he's going to say my name. You know? Yeah. Like, I'm like, man, so, I'm like, yeah. geez, like have I met Cat? Yeah, no, like, I haven't. Yeah. So I'm probably good. But, uh, but no, man, seriously, thank you so much for hey. taking time this evening to be a part of this. Hey, brother. And, and I appreciate you, it, bro. Thanks for Thanks, having man. me. Appreciate it. All right. And we're out. Peace.